When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the concepts I like the most when it comes to botanical method aquariums is how well they lend themselves to fostering a, a complete community of organisms. I, I know we've talked about this a billion times, but just every time I play with one of my aquariums, it just pops into my head that, like, this is incredible. Because of the very, I don't know, operating system of our tanks which, you know, features decomposing leaves, botanicals, soils, roots, and all that stuff, were able to create a remarkably rich and complex population of creatures within them. I had the opportunity to take a little sample and put them under a microscope not long ago, and I was just amazed at the sheer number of organisms, the density of organisms I was finding swimming among the leaf litter. I, now, I couldn't identify all of them. My rudimentary college biology um, limits me to just some of the classes of, of, of organisms, but it was pretty remarkable to see. And it's one of the most interesting aspects of a botanical method aquarium. We have this opportunity to create an aquatic microcosm. We've talked about this a lot, I know, which provides not only a unique look, because everybody's into the look, right? But it provides, I believe, nutrient processing and to uh, some degree, a self-generating population of creatures with nutritional value for our fishes on a more or less continuous basis. Again, these are concepts we've talked about a lot, the functional aesthetic sort of thing. It's really important to this little microcosm. And what's even more important to this microcosm are organisms like the fungi. Yes, I'm talking about fungi again. Uh, fungi reproduce by releasing tiny little spores that then germinate on new and hospitable surfaces pretty much anywhere they damn well please. And these aquatic fungi are involved in the decay of wood and leafy material. And of course, when you submerge terrestrial materials in the water, growths of fungi tend to arise. As anybody who's ever cured a piece of wood or, you know, terrestrial material for an aquarium can attest, these animals are remarkably adaptable. Now, fungi tend to colonize wood because it offers them, you know, number one, a lot of surface area to thrive and live out their life cycle and also offers an onboard source of cellulose, hemocellulose, and lignin, the major components of wood and botanical materials, which are degraded by fungi, which possess enzymes that can digest these materials. Ecologists regard fungi to be the dominant organisms associated with decaying leaves in streams all over the world. So this gives you some idea as to why we actually see them in our aquariums, right? And of course, Fishes and invertebrates, which live amongst and feed directly upon the fungi and decomposing leaves and botanicals, contribute further to the breakdown of these materials as well. Aquatic fungi essentially break down the leaf matrix and make the energy bound up in the leaves available to feeding animals in these habitats. They perform a remarkable role. So when we see, you know, all that, that those threads of fungi growing on our leaves or whatever and, and, and get into this despair... Don't look at this as, oh, this is a negative. This is an amazing net positive for the ecology of your aquatic ecosystem. Don't believe me? Look at this little gem that I found in my research. 
Uh, this is an article by Superkop of 1992 and Grasa 1993. Um, they say, and I'll just read it, that, uh, there is evidence that detritivores selectively feed on conditioned leaves, i.e. those previously colonized by fungi. Fungi can alter the food quality and palatability of leaf detritus, affecting shredder, that's the, the organisms that shred leaves, shredder growth rates. Animals that feed on a diet rich in fungi have higher growth rates and fecundity than those fed on poorly colonized leaves. Some shredders actually prefer to feed on leaves that are colonized by fungi, whereas others consume fungi mycelium selectively, actually the, the fungi themselves. Conditioned leaves in this context are those which have been previously colonized by fungi. We've talked about this a lot before, but they make that energy within the leaves and botanicals more available to higher organisms throughout the food chain. Now, again, it's easy to get scared off by this stuff and surprisingly easier to exploit it as a food source for your animals. There's a huge point that I cannot emphasize enough. And of course, we've said the same for biofilm over the years. I've talked about it so many times, you're probably sick of hearing it. So the reality is these bacteria and the fungi are all participants in a sort of a grand process of nutrient utilization. This occurs in nature, and yes, if we let it, it occurs in our aquariums. And it all starts with adding botanical materials and leaves to our systems. This is absolutely analogous to what happens in nature when stuff falls in the water or is absorbed into the aquatic environment in situ when it's a forest floor or dried up stream that suddenly becomes wet again. When leaves enter tropical streams and other bodies of water, Fungal colonization causes leaves to increase nitrogen content because of the fungal biomass and then the maceration of the leaves. This is known by aquatic ecologists to be evidence of microbial colonization. Now, there's many, many different stages in the process of leaves being broken up, starting with the leaching of materials from the cells of the botanical material during their initial submersion. And that's when, you know, soluble carbon compounds are liberated into the water in the process. It's a rapid release of phosphorus also accompanies these leaching. It's kind of interesting from an ecological <clears throat> or biochemical aspect. Again, a lot of it is kind of over my personal pay grade, as they say, but I, I've studied this over the years, both in school and then just on my own, and it is kind of interesting. I'm not very good at explaining it, but I do recommend that you research this because it's, it's fascinating and it's a big unlock for what we do in aquariums. Of course, the process ultimately leads to the physical breakdown and or the fragmentation of the leaves and the botanicals into smaller you know, pieces, which possess larger amounts of surface area for microbial attachment. So you're actually creating more surface area for bacteria, positive, a positive thing, when the leaves break down. Kind of interesting. Now, extensive ecological studies when done by scientists specifically in regard to leaf litter have yielded a lot of information about this process. Uh, the fungi that are known as aquatic hyphomycetes, try that one on your next uh, date or cocktail party or whatever, <laughs> they produce enzymes which cause the maceration or breakdown of the leaves. And in as little as two to three weeks, as much as 15% of the decomposing leaf biomass in a lot of aquatic habitats is processed by fungi, according to one study that I found. That's amazing. 15%, that's a lot of stuff. And in experiments carried out by aquatic ecologists in tropical forests in Venezuela, the decomp uh, decomp rates or decomposition rates were really fast with 50% of the leaf mass lost in streams occurring in less than 10 days. So 50% of the leaves are, are leaf mass is being broken down in 10 days. So stuff is utilized rapidly. Now, <clears throat> this also happens in aquariums, maybe not quite as fast because we don't have the density of population of these organisms. But if we allow them to accumulate, 
That's good. Now you say, well, the lease breakdown, that means I have to buy more leaves from me, Feldman. Well, that's not the whole point. The point is the lease breakdown, all that or all that material is being utilized in the ecosystem and it's liberating um, nutritional you know, compounds for use by the fishes and the other population and the other animals that populate your tank. So this is a good thing. The ultimate result is the transformation uh, to what, uh, of what, you know, ecologists call coarse particulate organic matter into fine particulate organic matter. Shocker there, right? Which may constitute an important food source for other organisms that we call deposit feeders. And these are aquatic animals that feed on small pieces of organic matter that have, you know, drifted down through the water and settled on the substrate. And then filter feeders, animals that feed by straining suspended organic matter and small food particles from the water, as well as worms, planaria, insects, all that kind of stuff. So basically, if you haven't gotten the message by now, all of these organisms utilize the, the material that's been broken down in your system and their uh, adjacent population of microorganisms for nutrition. And of course, these organisms and their processes create not only the basis of a little food web, again, a concept we've talked about a million times here, but the development of an entire community of sort of codependent organisms which work together to process nutrients and support other life forms along the food chain. So when we encourage rather than siphon out and remove this stuff when it appears, we're perpetuating these processes. I can't stress enough how important it is to let these various organisms multiply. I think that's the one thing that I, I when I'm giving talks or when I'm talking to customers or um, just fellow hobbyists, but the one thing that is just so important is for us to remember to not overly interfere with what goes on in our aquariums from an ecological standpoint. I find it really fascinating lately. It's pretty interesting. We see in the reef aquarium hobby, which as you know, I'm a big follower of and, and uh, do some work. I'm setting up, I, I swear to God, I'm setting up a couple of reef tanks in my home right now. But I read a lot in forums because it's fun to participate in that community like it is with the freshwater community. And I see a lot of discussion about dosing bacteria and adding bacteria. And, I, and it made me realize, I'm like, why do you need to dose bacteria? For, for what reason? The bacteria occur naturally in our aquariums. I think what's happened is we've gotten so caught up in looking for, I don't know, a scapegoat or a shortcut or, or whatever. And we've been so busy trying to polish the crap out of everything or place emphasis on equipment rather than biology and ecology that the idea of adding bacteria seems revolutionary or evolutionary, which is ludicrous because it'll appear regardless of what you do. And it just, it makes no sense. But that's like a big thing in the, in the, in the reef aquarium world right now. They use that for a lot of problems, problems that we caused by eliminating bacteria in the first place. But it's a vicious circle and we're not going to solve that today. But we need to think about our relationship with bacteria. We need to think about our relationship with detritus, with decomposing botanical materials and sediments in our tanks. Yes, I'm not only asking you to leave them be, but to encourage a little of their accumulation to foster the development and the prosperity of these organisms which work them. Now again, I have to at least ask the rather long question. Are these things, you know, detritus, decomposing materials, etc., really problematic for a well-managed aquarium? Or do they constitute an essential component of, of a you know, closed aquatic ecosystem, one which can actually provide some benefits, you know, supplemental nutrition for the resident fishes and the community of life forms which support them? Long question, right? Well, many of us have already made that sort of mental shift which accepts the transient, you know, subtle beauty of decomposing botanical materials and biofilms and all that stuff. So it goes without saying that 
taking it a little further and allowing this stuff to completely break down to serve as a substrate for our aquatic you know, biodiversity or ecodiversity is simply the next iteration in the management of botanical method aquariums. This Again, this is not a new concept. Nature's been doing it for eons. Smart hobbyists have been playing around with this for many, many years. Planted aquarium hobbyists, whether they know it or not, participate in this sort of a, a resource utilization approach. So yeah, there's a lot to consider when utilizing botanical materials in your aquarium. It's far, far beyond the idea of just dumping and praying and looking at the cool aesthetics for a while until you break down your Insta tank. That's been the model for how to utilize them in aquariums for a while. And unfortunately, as I mentioned, it sometimes rears its ugly head again because we've got a lot of people playing with the, with botanicals and they don't fully understand why we use them. It's not just to create a cool look and it's not just, you know, to create tinted water or, you know, a natural looking aquarium. It's an ecological basis for operating your aquarium. It's really important that functional aesthetic mindset. Sure, it has a look. And if you can make the mental shift to accept it as it is, and I'm seeing some amazing tanks that are, you have that, if you can make that mental shift to accept the look and the biological processes, more importantly, which occur when terrestrial materials break down in our tanks, that becomes a fundamental shift in your thinking and it opens up a huge world to you. So by studying and encouraging the growth of this diversity of organisms and understanding the ecological implications of a multifaceted, you know, multifaceted microcosm of life in our tanks, we're all, that's everybody here, we're all contributing to a really exciting progression of the, you know, art and science of aquarium keeping. And it's just going to get better from here. It's so exciting to see so many people playing with botanicals, people that have kind of have been in the hobby for a while, have kind of figured out a few things and then suddenly have their own aha moments while playing with botanical materials in their tanks. So one day they're thinking, wow, this tank is really functioning well. Wow, my, my fishes are spawning. Wow, I'm getting better survival rates out of my fry, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's nothing that anybody invented, but it's something that we're all rediscovering together. It's only been a few short years which, since Tannen's been in business, 2015, but already I've seen such a progression in the thought of how we run our aquariums and the understanding of ecology and the place for ecology in our aquariums. It's a very, very exciting time. And I just want to thank everybody for participating and for contributing to that body of knowledge. Stay enthused, stay excited, stay thoughtful, stay diligent, stay relentless in your pursuit of knowledge and be sure to share. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.